This message was recorded live at Life Church Lancashire, a contemporary Christian church in the north of England. Learn more at lifelanks.org. Our series on double comes from Second Kings, and of course, it's all about the time when Elisha said to Elijah, when he knew Elijah was going to go to heaven, he'd finished his ministry, he was going to be taken up to heaven, and he said, let me inherit a double share of your spirit. And so, because he asked for this, he received this. And I think there's a lot to do with our uh, appetite and our desire for God that relates to what we receive from God. Sometimes we undervalue what we're looking for from God. We need to go and say, God, we need, I'm asking for more. I'm asking for double. And this series of, is to help us to live life to the full. It's to help us to live that double experience. Not a double life in the sense of, I'm one thing on Sunday with my Christian friends, and I'm something quite different the rest of the week. Not that kind of double life. A life that's expansive, a life that's full, a life that's a life of more than enough, making a big impact and really feeling and understanding that God is with us in a magnificent, huge amount. So we've been looking through Second Kings right through a few of the chapters there, and we're going to kind of move through there. And in chapter 6, it starts telling the story about a really bad situation. There was a siege of Samaria. God's people were caught in that city. They were stuck in that city. They couldn't get out. No one could get in. They couldn't get any resources in, any food, and so on. So they were stuck there. And over a period of time, because there was no, nothing coming in, they became very, uh, very, uh, there was a famine because of shortage. So this siege of the city got worse and worse and worse to the point where people were selling anything and almost eating anything, even to eating their own children, which is just beyond what you could imagine. And the price of everything had just escalated uh, to the point where it tells us in chapter 6 that the donkey's head was sold for 400 pounds. That's how desperate they were to get food. So just imagine for that moment, that was their current circumstances. Their current circumstances were hopeless. Their current circumstances were lack, not plenty. Their current circumstances had nothing to do with double. It was less than nothing. They were in a dire, desperate situation. And into that dire, desperate situation, that place of lack, not that place of plenty, here along comes the prophet of God, Elisha, and he speaks about plenty. He speaks positive. He speaks hope. He speaks life. He prophesies that in a very short time, this circumstance will turn around. And so I believe that we have to think about the fact that when we are faced with doom and gloom merchants, when we are faced with people who always seem to see the glass half empty and always seem to see what's the worst that can happen kind of situation, as Christians, we have responsibility to speak up in a positive way and speak out the goodness of God because I believe with God there is always hope. With God, there's always an opportunity for God to break through and circumstances 
to turn around. I'm not belittling anyone's current circumstances, but I'm now, neither am I belittling the capacity of our God to turn that around. Because God is a great and awesome God, and God is able to do that. And as Christians who believe in God, who have hope in Christ, have a hope in the future, we have a responsibility to speak out in times of lack. We have a responsibility to speak positive when there are times of difficulty. So that is kind of the context of where we're coming to. So we're now going to look at Second uh, Kings, Second um, Kings, there, chapter seven, and we're going to read a few verses there from that, and just pick up on the story that I've kind of introduced you to. So here's a time of lack. The king is saying. Well, we wasted our time trusting God because look where it's left us. Have you ever been in that sort of situation? Well, I'm a Christian, but this is absolutely not rubbish. This is a struggle. Have you ever heard anyone say that? Well, the king's sort of saying here at this point, well, you know, where's God? God's abandoned us. God's... But then Elisha speaks life into that desperate, dead situation. Chapter 7, verse 1. Elisha replied, listen to this message from the Lord. This is what the Lord says. By this time tomorrow in the markets of Samaria, five quarts of choice flour will cost only one piece of silver, and ten quarts of barley grain will cost only one piece of silver. The officer assisting the king said to the man of God, That could, couldn't happen even if the Lord opened the windows of heaven. But Elisha replied, You will see it happen with your own eyes, but you won't be able to eat any of it. Goes on, verse 3. Now there were four men with leprosy sitting at the entrance of the city gates. Why should we sit here waiting to die? They asked each other. We will starve if we stay here. But with the famine in the city, we will starve if we go back there. So we might as well go out and surrender to the Armenian army. If they let us live, so much the better. But if they kill us, we would have died anyway. What a choice. What a no choice, really. So at twilight, they set out for the camp of the Armenians. But when they came to the edge of the camp, no one was there. For the Lord had caused the Armenian army to hear the clatter of speeding chariots, the galloping of horses, and the sound of a great army approaching. The king of Israel has hired the Hittites and Egyptians to attack us, they cried to one another. So they panicked and ran into the night, abandoning their tents, horses, donkeys, and everything else as they fled for their lives." When the lepers arrived at the edge of the camp, they went into one tent after another, eating and drinking wine, and they carried off silver and gold and clothing and hid it. Finally, they said to each other, This is not right. This is a day of good news, and we aren't sharing it with anyone. If we wait until morning, some calamity will certainly fall upon us. Come, let us go back, tell the people at the palace. So they went back to the city and told the gatekeepers what had happened. We went to the Armenian camp, they said, and no one was there. The horses and donkeys were tethered, and the tents were all in order, but there wasn't a single person around. Then the gatekeeper shouted the news to the people in the palace. As we go on to read, we see the king didn't believe it. They sent some scouts out to have a look at it and so on. But it says there, tellingly, in verse 17, so everything happened exactly as the man of God had predicted when the king came to his house. Elisha prophesied plenty. The king's officer mocked him for that 
prophecy. But in spite of the circumstances, how bad it looked, he still spoke out life. He still prophesied plenty. And it was exactly as he said. Within a very short time, there was no lack. There was plenty. Within a very short time, donkeys' heads weren't selling for 400 pounds. People were able to buy things back to normal sort of prices. There was plenty. And I believe that this is a picture for me, very much so, that we always have to speak out in faith and we always have to speak out positively in spite of what the current circumstances may look like. Sickness, I'm still believing God. Trial, I'm still believing God. Desperation, shortage, I'm still believing God. So no matter how it might appear at that moment in time, that is just a cross-section. That's just a, a picture of a particular moment in time. But in the big picture, it's always that God is the God of plenty. God is the God who can bring resource into our lives. God is the God who can heal us. God is the God who can turn situations around. God is the God who can heal relationships, and so on and so on. That is the reality, the real truth, irrespective of how it might appear just at that moment. Elisha was a positive Voice. It's very difficult to speak out in faith when things aren't going that well. You know, when you talk about um, momentum and, and things going really well in your life or things going really well in church and, you know, we're putting extra chairs out. and uh, It's not like that every week, but we're still believing for more and more and more. You know, it's no, it's no uh, coincidence that our new auditorium will be pretty much double this size of this building, that our cafe area and reception area will be pretty much double our current size. That's lucky for this series, isn't it, that that's worked out. But we're thinking double. We are seeing double. We're seeing growth. We're seeing increase. We're seeing more influence in the area because we believe that that's what God has said. And irrespective sometimes when in our circumstances, collectively as church or as individuals, it doesn't look like that. I believe that if we speak out in faith, then we take those steps of faith that God honors our faith. It's easy. It's easy to speak positively when things are going well. It's easy when there's not a problem around. Well, you know, if you've lived more than two minutes, you know that life is not generally like that. There are challenges, there are problems, there are difficulties, there are struggles we go through. But I'm trusting God no matter what. And I'm able to say from my testimony is that I have trusted God no matter what. So I'm not quitting now. I'm going to continue to do that because God is a great God and He's worth trusting. So we speak out faith. Elisha came into a negative situation, but he spoke the truth. Even when he was mocked by a high-ranking official, he still held on to what he believed we believed God had told him. So we have a responsibility, Christians. We do not join with the doom and gloom merchants in the nation or in the community or at work or at wherever. We, we, we're not going to be part of that because we believe in for something better, something greater in God. So then we, we move from that incident to these four miserable beggars who were sat outside the city gate. Here they they were. They were faced with a choice. We could stay here outside the city gates. We'll starve. If we go into the city, we'll starve there. So they had no choice at all. So they well, what we're going to do is we're going to go to the enemy's camp. And, you know, we could get lucky. 
We're going to go to the enemy's camp and they just might take pity on us. And you know the plight of a leper is put outside the camp as ostracized. Remember when we looked at Naaman a couple of weeks ago? That's what you could look forward to when you had leprosy. It was no life at all. But, you know, they went to, to the Armenians' camp to, to decide to do that, to see if they could get a better chance. Stay here and die. Go in the city and die. If we go there, we might die there. So that whatever way they looked at it, it was pretty hopeless. It's what you call Hobson's choice. They were faced with Hobson's choice, which is no choice at all. Hobson was a, was, was a man in the 16th century who owned 40 horses. And what he used to do is if you wanted a, a fresh horse, you'd go and take your horse and, and, and borrow one of his horses or just rent his horse or whatever. And he had 40 horses, so it seemed like he had a good load of choice. You could choose between 40 different ho- horses. But the reality was, Hobson, Thomas Hobson didn't let you choose. You had to take the, f- the horse that was nearest to the door, the front door. So that was it. That, w- that was your choice. No choice at all. It was a Hobson's choice. So that's where that... F- thought comes from. And I was just thinking about these guys here. They had Hobson's choice. Whatever it looked like, it looked pretty rubbish. But they chose to take a step of faith and say, look, let's see, let's see what's going to happen. And I believe sometimes, you know, when we're caught between a rock and a hard place, it's a great place to be. Because when you're in that situation, you can choose to trust God. When you've got options, there are various options that kind of work, and you know you can work it out yourself, that's one thing. But very often in life, we're faced with Hobson's choice almost. It appears like that. And we need to take a step of faith and say, well, however it may seem, I cannot figure this out for myself. I can't work this out for myself. I can't change the circumstances in my own strength. But I'm going to trust God. And I believe that faith in God and trusting God is always rewarded. If we're just always going to lean on to our own abilities, sooner or later, no matter how powerful or rich or whatever you are, sooner or later there are going to be circumstances in life where we can't sort it ourselves and we need to, get, we need to go to God. How about going to God as a first resort rather than a last resort? How about involving God in every aspect of our lives? Caught between a rock and a hard place, not a problem because I'm going to trust God. I'm going to trust God. So these boys decided, these four lepers decided to do that. They decided to take a step of faith. Faith is always rewarded. God responds to faith, not need. God, when God sees faith, he responds to that. And God says, I'm going to get involved in that because there's faith. Things are happening. People are believing me. People are going for it. People are taking those steps of faith. And when we take steps of faith and stretch out in faith, other people benefit. The story here, because we know the, the end, not just the beginning, we see that because their step of faith, because they went and into the enemy camp and found plenty, we see that the whole city benefited. If they just waited and did nothing, no, no benefit. And sometimes we're just waiting for God to turn things around before we actually do something. Well, the Bible's clear. We need to take those steps ourselves of faith in God and trust God and absolutely go for it. So their faith was rewarded. They set out at twilight and their faith was rewarded. Others are blessed when we step out in faith. 
I want you to, I want you to understand that. I want you to grab that. It's not just about me or you. Or, it's, not, it's about us, and it's about the people not yet Christians who benefit from our steps of faith, our initiatives in community that help other people. It's down to the steps of faith that blessing flows from that. But if we just wait for things to happen and somebody to do something about it, most of the time that somebody is me and you. When we are aware of a need, it's, it, the book stops here. It absolutely does because God's making us aware of those challenges. So exactly we can step out in faith. And I'm excited about steps of faith. I really am excited about what we're doing as a church community. And, you know, go on, raise an eyebrow. Just, just, just show some enthusiasm and excitement for what God's doing because it's wonderful to see what God does. They went into the enemy camp. They ate enough. They drank enough. They'd had their fill. They took some of the resources, some of the, the gold and silver and, and clothes and stuff, and they went and hoarded them. They put them away. And you know, that's kind of a bit like how we can be. When God blesses us, there can be a tendency to hoard the blessing. But you know what God says is, blessings are for sharing. If God's done something for you, share it with somebody else. I mean, come on. There was only four of these guys. The whole army had disappeared. There was more than enough. And they realized, it says, finally, if you like, they came to their senses and realized, well, this is all right for us. But it's not just about us. It's about these people who are starving in the city. We've got to do something about it. And they said, I love the the way it puts it in verse 9. Finally, they said to each other, this is not right. This is a day of good news and we are keeping it to ourselves or we're not sharing it with other people. Think about that for a moment. In the context of us worshiping God together this morning in this place, we're having a great time. We're loving God. We're honoring God. But we're not supposed to keep it to ourselves. Evangelism isn't the work of a particularly gifted person called an evangelist. The evangel- evangelism is the work of every Christian. Yeah. Reaching out with the good news is a responsibility of us all, not just a few. It's not right. We love this house. We love this community. We love this pastor. Well, well maybe, maybe not. Yeah, whatever. We love this house. We love our God. We love this community. We love what God's doing. Well, it's not right to keep it to ourselves. It's just not right. So, you know, we're putting something in your hand, like the the, the little flyers that Matt mentioned for the Easter weekend and the flyers there for the the Mark Ritchie event in Nelson. These are tools that we can actually use. And it's about who am I bringing at Easter? Not who are you bringing. Who am I bringing at Easter? Who am I inviting along? Who am I trying to get along to hear the good news? It's not right to keep it to ourselves. What do you normally do with good news? You share it. You can't wait to share it. You know, when you get a, a text message, when Trish and I were, were in uh, Australia last month, and we, in, in, in February rather, when we got, got a message uh, to say a baby had been born, a message from Andy Beat arrived in the middle of the night, and I'm thinking, why, you know, what are you bothering me for? 
It was good news. I was delighted to receive it that he, he, he's their second son, Vicky Nanny's second son, had been born. It's good news. We get text messages these days and we put things on the city. Check on to the city, otherwise you miss out what's going on. You totally do if you don't connect into that. But you share good news. If so, a baby's been born, or I got a text message a week on Monday about someone who got all clear from, from the doctors having tests for cancer. Yes, I could share that. What do you do with other people's good news? You join in the joy of it. It's fan- absolutely fantastic. Somebody moves house or gets a new car. and Brilliant. You know, that's not get. well, you know, it's, it's all right for them. No, we share good news. We rejoice with those that rejoice. We don't think, well, you know, that's better than my car. Or, no, we, we rejoice with those that rejoice. That's what you do with good news. You share it. You, you stick it on Facebook. You know, we've got a new baby or someone's got engaged or someone's getting married. What, whatever. It's, it's out there. You put good news out there. You share it with other people. And if, the, if it is good news that Jesus loves us and has saved us and given us hope and a future then we've got to get it out there. We've got to share it with other people. Most people are happy to share good news. And we've got to understand that what we have is good news. This is a day of good news. And it's not right if we're not sharing it with other people. We are obligated, we are responsible, we're commanded even in in Matthew 28 that we must share this good news. So when when do you stop sharing good news? When does it come to that point when you stop sharing good news? I just don't. When you think about it, possibly when that good news becomes a bit stale. It's kind of, well, it's kind of old news now. It's not. I think we need to keep the good news about what God does for us very, very fresh. If you lose your joy, you're not as keen to share it. You know, how often when people first become Christians, they're so enthusiastic, they're just telling everybody. Well, it's a long time since I became a Christian, but I've, I've still got the same obligation to be sharing this good news. Still got the same obligation. How sad if it's stale, we've, we've lost our joy. And you know, what happens to us as Christians is, as Christians, sometimes life happens to us, And things happen, and and, and circumstances and problems and all this kind of stuff that we've already talked about. Things just happen that begin to rob our joy. What do you do in those circumstances when this good news isn't quite as fresh or you're not quite as enthusiastic about it? You go back to God and say, God, please help me with this. You know, even King David had to do that in, in the Psalms. It tells us in Psalm 51 verse 12, he said, This was his prayer to God. He says, restore to me the joy of my salvation. So if if, if I'm in that situation where I have no joy, I've got to say, God, restore this joy back to me. I'm a bit jaded through life and I've allowed these things to creep in, but God, give me back my joy because I've got to have that joy because out of that joy, you share good news. If you just had a baby, you're not thinking about, um, well, you know, it's just the second one or... 
No, it is a joy. It's fantastic. So you share it. it it's, it it's fresh. It's new. It's wonderful. It's fantastic. You share the good news. When you've been praying for something and you get an answer to prayer, you want to tell people, or you ought to, because that in, in, in encourages everybody and improves our faith and builds us up and, uh, and everything. We need to get this stuff out. We need to get that news. It's sad, you know, when you think about over years you see people come to faith and see people be baptized and give a glowing testimony, a glowing story about what God's done to them and then done for them. And then it seems to be kind of goes a bit, a bit stale. I've got to look at myself. We have to look at ourselves and say, God, hang on a minute. What you've done for me is beyond words. (laughs) What you've done for me in saving me and forgiving me and giving me hope, giving me a future, giving me an assurance that you love me, that your grace is all over my life, we've got to keep that fresh. Got to keep that fresh. When you go double and believe double, you'll be some challenges, but we're believing big for this community of Life Church for this area of Lancashire, right across Lancashire, we believe in God's doing great things. And they stepped out in faith. And it's interesting, the Bible says that they stepped out at twilight. Now, the thing about twilight or the evening is that the light isn't as strong or as clear as it, should have, as it is earlier in the day. We understand that. Sometimes we have gray days in Lancashire where you can't hardly tell the difference. But do you know that generally earlier in the day, the light's brighter. You can see more things. But you know, that was just, it just struck me as a picture of faith because very often when we step out in faith, it isn't that things are very, very clear in front of us. Very often when we step out in faith, it's a bit dim. It's not very clear. You know, uh, Johnny Nash great song. I can see clearly now the rain is gone. I can see all obstacles in my way. Aren't you glad I didn't just sing that? (laughs) But that's not what life and the life of faith often looks like. It really isn't. You know, it's a feel-good song, Johnny Nash. Thank you very much. It's a good feel-good song, but that's not what life looks like. Very often, as we step out in faith, it's a bit dim. I kind of, kind of see that the way forward that clearly, but I've just believed that God's given me something. God's spoken in my life. God's, God's inspired me. God's encouraged me to go for it. And as we go for it, we see that. Because the reality here in this story, as they stepped out in faith to go to the enemy's camp, the reality was that the miracle had already happened. The resource, what they needed, was waiting for them, but it would still be waiting for them if they hadn't taken that step and gone for it. So important, you know, and I just think sometimes we, we were in situations where we think, you know, this is impossible, it's too big, and as I often say, we believe in biting off more than we can chew because there needs to be a huge faith element in every initiative. as so important, but you know, God's already done the miracle. God's already, uh, God's already done it. And, and, you know, impossible situation, but God caused this army to believe that they were being attacked by a load of mercenaries from different nations that were going to come and going to kill them. So they legged it, they scarped it, they ran away. They got out of the situation and left everything 
or they're only left with what they were standing up in. So the resources were there. And it might mean that we step out in faith at twilight in whatever we believe in God's telling us to do. But come on, as we take that step of faith, the next step becomes clear. Then the next step, then the next step. But we've got to make the start. We've got to make that step out in faith. Elisha received his double portion because he asked for it. I believe that we need to be better at asking for for God for answers. We need to be master askers. We need to be great at believing in faith and saying, God, help us with this. Meet this need. We need to be better at that and ask. Elisha was blessed with a double share, a double portion. So I was figuring, what are we asking for or What am I asking for? What are you asking for? What is it in your life right now that's the big challenge? Is it dominating you? It oughtn't to because God, your God, can dwarf that problem. So we can believe big for God. We can believe for double. We can go for that. You know, let's go for everything that God has for us. Not the life that is somehow reduced. The life that is kind of contained and the life that's kind of boxed in when God wants us to live something infinitely more expansive for him and believe for great things. This is the day of good news. I believe 2014 is a day of good news. April 2014, the 6th of April, this is a day of good news. And it's not right if we're not sharing it with other people. Be inspired, be encouraged this morning to share it. Who am I sharing good news with? In my pocket, in, in, in every pocket this, this next couple of weeks, I'll have these because I'm just looking for opportunities. I'm hunting for opportunities. I'm saying, God, I, I'm, not quite, I'm not quite sure because a lot of the time I just see Christians. I've got to be deliberately finding people who are not yet in the, in the community. God, help me with these leaflets, these flyers to invite someone, to bring them along, because it is a day of good news. The outreach events that we're doing, uh, that we're doing in Nelson and so on, we really, really need your support, because it's actually just about us reaching out to people. That's it. What do you get out of it? Will you enjoy it? Those are the two wrong, those are totally the wrong questions. If you're asking those questions, have a good look at yourself and think, well, actually, this is about outreach. It's about reaching out to people. It's about how we can help people. Here's a quote I'm going to share with you. It's old, and some of you have probably heard it many times before, but it just fits in so well with this, um, this story. A man called D.T. Niles said this, Christianity is one beggar telling another beggar where he found bread. And it kind of just bottoms it out very basic. In this story... There were four lepers, four miserable beggars. No hope, no opportunity. But they told the other people where they could find bread. And when we think about the things of God, it's as basic as that. We're not putting ourselves up as anything better than anybody else, but thank God he's shown us where we could find bread, the bread of life. We've got the Lord with us. We've received all of that. God has shown us where that is. And all we have to do is share that. One beggar telling another beggar where he found bread. I don't know if you find that too simplistic, but to me, that's just basically what it's all about. What we know, what we've received, 
we're supposed to share it. Wrap it up any way you like. I think that's so simple. It is profound. And I just was challenged this week and thinking, you know, I am a beggar, but I'm not a miserable beggar. <laughs> At all because of what God's done for me. I'm excited about what God is, has done and what God is doing. I'm excited about what is, God is doing with this community and will do with the community. And as I believe, I'm prophesying in faith, believing for bigger and for double. I'm believing double. I'm absolutely believing that. You know, we've heard the good news. We understand the good news. What the responsibility is now for each and every one of us to share it with other people. This is the day of good news. It's not right. We aren't sharing it with anyone. It's not right. So let's look at ourselves. I'm looking at myself first and foremost saying, God, how can you, how can I orientate so that I connect with people, that I can share the good news? Because that's what it's about. The Great Commission, Matthew 28, is to go and make disciples. Well, that starts by sharing the good news. Discover more about us at lifelanks.org and stay inspired by subscribing to the podcast via iTunes. Thanks for listening.